the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. WFIL Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. AM560WFIL.com on the app. Listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. It is the 100th anniversary of the very first broadcast on WFIL at the time WFI. And we have a really cool show planned. A couple WFIL alum you may know, Tony Bruno and Howard Eskin going to join us. And the one and only Mark Daniels, who was here for 20-plus years in this very hour doing the show here, also going to join us. A lot to pack in. And, of course, some sounds from the era. And as a bonus, courtesy of our sponsor, Dave Peterson, Briner Chevrolet in Jenkintown, anybody who checks in this hour gets a gift card to Chick-fil-A, Duncan, Panera, Rita's, or Wawa. You choose. Just text me the amount, $5.60. Of course, it makes sense. Text me at 610-500-DOVE anytime during the hour just to get your name and address in there and the preference you have, and we'll get you one. 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. It's our famous birthday party for our wonderful broadcast. We're glad to be here today. Famous 56 weather, weather, weather. A lot of sunshine today, beautiful day, 75 to the high, getting cloudy tonight, down to 54. Rain off and on tomorrow, making a thunder shower or two. It's going to be windy, 73 to the high, down to 50 tomorrow night. Sunny on, on, on Sunday for a little bit, but then kind of cloudy and windy the rest of the day, high 57. 56 Sports Flash. Indeed. Flyers won 5-4 last night, and Claude Giroux's 1,000th game as a Flyer. Possibly his last game as a Flyer as well. Trade deadline coming up on Monday, I believe it is, and it looks like he's heading to Florida. The team on the way to Ottawa, and uh, they're playing tonight. They're already there, I'm sure. Uh, reports say that Claude Giroux did not make that trip, so it looks like he's finishing his career at an even 1,000 games. We'll see how that goes. 7 o'clock start for that tonight. Sixers home against Dallas tonight at 7. Phillies in Detroit played earlier today. Spring training going. They're playing Toronto tomorrow afternoon at 105. March Madness continues. Delaware and Villanova playing this afternoon among the local teams and many more games happening over the course of the weekend. I want to get uh, our first break taken care of early so we can get right into things with the one and only Tony Bruno. He'll be joining us in just a couple of moments here. And uh, also just a reminder, it's our partnership with Save the Children looking to help provide relief for children suffering from severe acute malnutrition. And um, I don't know, you know, $60 covers one child providing plump peanut, and uh, it's, it's a therapeutic food, peanut-based, and it comes with vitamins and minerals in it. We're trying to rescue a couple of hundred children in March. We're at 37 right now, so that's a good start. But the month's starting to run out a little bit, so maybe today, just a thought, in honor of it being 100 years for WFIL, maybe you give $100. That would cover almost two children on our march to get into 200. Just a thought. You can help out 855-863-5492. 855-863-5492. Or on our homepage at WFIL.com. Let's make it a, a banner day, shall we? Back with more. It's Tim DeMar's show. 100-year celebration for WFIL in just a moment. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's Tim DeMoss Show. And we now welcome aboard the one and only Tony Bruno. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Tim. The weather's nice. Spring has finally sprung, and uh, I think the freezing nights and the snow 
are all gone, knock on wood. <laughs> we can only hope. That's it. Well, you know, today is the 100-year anniversary of the very first broadcast of WFIL, back then WFI, and the call letters mm-hmm. have changed, and TV's been involved, and all that, as folks may know. Uh, long and storied history, and many fine folks have walked the halls of WFIL, including you. So yes, but I was not. Let me let me stop you right there. Okay. I was not there in 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 uh, in, in, in 1922 <laughs> when WFIL started broadcasting. But I was there from 1970 all the way uh, through 76, and then I came back in 78 after going to Birmingham, and then worked there until like 85. So. I was there in the heyday of the boss jock era and when WFIL uh, switched, switched over to a top 40 music station and became one of the most successful radio stations in the country. That's something. How, how did how did, you, did you come across working at Wiffle in the first place? Well, I was a young kid in South Philly growing up, and I never had anybody in the radio business. I mean, my dad died when I was 10. My mom was an immigrant from Sicily. And so, you know, after my dad died as a young man, I'd go down and listen to the radio at night. I liked sports. I remember the Phillies in 64 choking away at the championship, and everybody in the city would be listening to the transistors at night, you know, wondering whether the Phillies were going to blow that lead to the Cardinals and not make it to the World Series. And so I started listening to that, and then I would play around with my little transistor radio at night and start listening all over the country and hearing broadcasts of sports, talk shows, and I became fascinated with the media. And so I really had no aspirations at that point. Then I, so I started calling the DJs at WFIL late at night and to talk to guys like Long John Wade and Dave Parks and these guys who I listened to in Philly radio when the music was popular and the British invasion and all popular songs. I mean, that was the explosion of music. You know, obviously, we had, we had soul music and Philly had the Philly sound, but, you know, pop music and the Beatles and the British invasion and all the combination of different genres of music made WFIL, you know, a really powerful radio station. So my goal was to eventually get into radio anywhere, and I went to a broadcasting school that Long John Wade himself had opened, and I was one of his first students, and he put together a tape of me reading an Alpo commercial before I went to the classes, and then a year later I was on WFIL doing the news overnight, and they had a tape of me with the reverb going, you know, Tony Bruno, it was the... uh, Jim O'Brien, WFIL News, and Tony Bruno, W. Uh, I would say Tony Bruno, WFIL News, and be George Michael, WFIL Music, and then they would play a song. So it was really a glory day. I was fortunate to be there. I started out as a young kid and worked my way up. I worked overnights on the news station when we had a full news department. That's way back when everybody had 24-hour news departments in Philly wow. and pretty much everywhere else. So they gave me a shot to do news overnight, and I would sit there, and I was going to temple with journalism and the political science. So then I'd go on to work after class and then work overnight, typing and you know rewriting news clips from the wire services. We had the teletype machines going full speed ahead in the old brown house on City Line Avenue. And then, you know, when you look at the people who have come through there, we worked and we shared the same newsroom with Larry Kane when he was at Action News at the beginning of Action News and Jim O'Brien, the weatherman, who was also a DJ at WFIL, and yeah. Bill Pellegrino. I mean, a lot of great people worked there, and I was fortunate enough to start and work around all these great people who I absorbed information and knowledge from to become a better broadcaster. Yeah, folks, just tuning in, we're chatting with the one and only Tony Bruno. I was going to ask you about who you had met, and you've rattled off some some pretty big names there. Did anybody in particular stand out in terms of whether you observed them or they took you under their wing a little bit and helped you learn stuff as a young guy? Pretty much everybody did. You know, the interesting thing back then, Tim, was, you know, radio DJs, you know, they're in the studio at night and people are calling on the phones requesting songs. So I would call in and just ask these people, hey, you know what, I'm really fascinated. I love doing what you do, and someday I hope to be able to do it. So I didn't know whether I wanted to be a DJ, a newsman, a sports guy, and it turns out I became all three of them after all these years in the business at one juncture. But I started out as a news guy, and then when I started working in the news department, that's when really my, my mentors helped groom me into a really good news writer and a reporter. I would go out on the streets. In fact, in 1973, when I was 21 years old, I was out on the streets covering. I was covering elections for WFIL. I covered a a gigantic nursing home fire for which I won the Philadelphia Press Association Best Spot News Reporting. So here I am a couple of years into the business, and I'm out winning, winning awards from the Press Association and working with Alan Stone, who to me is one of the greatest voices 
in WFIL news history. He was the morning guy, and I would work overnight, and I would prepare stuff for him when he came in, and he, he taught me everything I know about journalism. Glenn Barton, when you think of the names, Paul Henderson, Randy Brock. We had so many really, really great news people, you know, who knew how to write news and deliver news uh, on WFIL. So that stuff is really what was my the foundation of me becoming not only a better journalist and a newsman, but also I, I got to do sports and cover Philly sports during the heyday when the Phillies were good in the 70s but didn't win. You know, when the Flyers were winning Stanley Cups in the 70s, in 74, 75, those years. And so I got to do everything. I got to do news, sports, and then eventually transitioned into all sports uh, after you know, the popular music stations and the AM stations started going to spoken word formats. And there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of top forty radio stations still on the air. They all transitioned to FM frequencies, and so that's when I transitioned to do sports. And eventually, sports became my my primary career for the next fifty years. It's amazing. You know, I remember reading also about um, I, and I played softball in the charity softball games. The police athletically did at the vet, and then again over at Citizens Bank Park. Don Cannon used to pitch for the radio team. And I played on his team and he passed away in 2014. And I believe he meant a lot to you too. I think I read a tribute on one of the uh, sites about, you know, Absolutely. WFL. Yeah. Absolutely. I was at WFIL in the early days with the boss jocks, you know, the Jim Nettleton's and Dave Cook and Dr. Don Rose and Jim Nettleton. I mentioned that, and George Michael, who went on to, you know, to fame and fortune, not just as a disc jockey, but as a sportscaster, a guy at his own show. So the Don Cannon, I worked with him back in the day, well, back in 19, 19- 78 when I came back to Philly from Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, he was doing the morning show, and I was his morning sports guy. Hmm. So we became good friends. My son, my first son, AJ, was born in Birmingham in 1977, and so when I moved back, we had our second child, and his name was Chris, and Don Cannon was my son Chris's godfather. Hmm. So Don and I became not just co-workers, you know, we became family. So the good thing about those days, you know, everybody worked together, we hung out together, we went out, you know, you look at the great personalities there, and I was so fortunate to be around those people and become friends with many of them. And sadly, you know, as time goes on, most of them are gone now. You know, the Jay Cooks and the George Michaels and Chuck Browning and Dr. Don Rose and Jim O'Brien. And, you know, it's just incredible how many amazing people have gone through the studios there, whether they were on City Line Avenue or when they moved out of the, the, the big roundhouse and they tore it down. But to me, the roundhouse will always be... And I have a picture in front of the roundhouse when I was a kid before I even worked there. Hmm. I saw the WFI albums with all the boss jocks standing in front of it right there on City Line Avenue. And so I went there one day with my best friend, Buddy Arneo, and we went out there and recreated me standing at the WFIL sign. Little did I know, a couple of years later, I'd be working there. Wow. That's a great story. I love that. Tony Bruno, kind enough to carve out a little time just to chat today on the 100th anniversary of the very first broadcast WFIL, which is WFI back in the day, and then changed over the years. And, uh, you know, you've touched on one other thing here I wanted to just ask you about, and it would be great to have you again sometime because you've done so many things for so many years. Just how you have seen and done so many different things, that's not a given. I would think some people would be like, I can't do – this is the only thing I can do. But you did so many different things. Is that kind of part of – just? Do you know why that would be, do you think, uh, growing up or something about your character, about wanting to try things and do things and work hard at things? No, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's not ridiculous. It's, just, it's, it's astonishing since I was a very shy kid. Hmm. As I mentioned, my mom, uh, when my dad died, she was only 39, and she had three young children. And so I went to work at age 11, you know, just trying to help my mom make ends meet when my dad died of leukemia without any notice for a couple of weeks into the hospital, he was sick and he was gone. So as an 11-year-old, I had to grow up and be the man of the family with a mother, an immigrant mother who spoke very little English and two sisters. And so I just, I was just looking for something. I was looking for a way to help my family. And the radio thing just happened. I mean, I, I, unfortunately for a lot of people, you know, they don't know what they want to be when they're kids. And I didn't know what I wanted to be after my dad died, but I found a passion, I pursued it, and I stayed after it. And so, and I kept working with good people, and I was always around people who were so good that inspired me, that helped me. And so that's why I, 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 I transitioned, not because I was good, I was shy. I got the confidence by working with confident, smart people who were tremendous, tremendous Hall of Fame broadcasters. And that's why, that's, and I tell kids today when they say, you know, how did you get started and what would you tell young people? I say, just find somebody 
that you can respect. You don't have to know them personally, but look at somebody and say, you know, I want to be like that person one day. I want to be a successful broadcaster. But whatever it is you're pursuing, you know, having a goal and, and setting it and going after I had no reason to be successful. I had no influence. I had no money. I didn't have somebody helping me, you know, to put my foot in the door. I had people who were around me that saw my desire to succeed and to do it, and I got my chance at WFIL. But again, I mentioned back in those days, when they give you a chance, you worked overnight, and you worked overnight for seven years before you could see the light of day. So I was willing to work my way up just to get a chance to put my foot in the door, and the rest is history. So the dedication and you know the desire and the drive to be better every day is what got me to where I've been. Not you know, it was inside of me, obviously, but I had to be pulled out, and it was pulled out by really great people who showed me that you know you could be shy, but you can you can get out of that. You can become confident. You know, when you're 11 years old, 12, 13 years old, you're not very confident for the most part. So yeah. I got the confidence by working with great people who made me more confident and made me better at what I did. And what a history, too. I mean, obviously the years on WAP's morning show, Fox, ESPN, Into the Night, the show with Harry Mays, the, the thing you did, CAU Mornings, uh, Sporting yeah. News Radio. I think I, I'm missing stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> a lot of stuff. <laughs> So. It is a lot of stuff, but the, the, the great moments of that file—that's that's my roots. That's you know, the, being with John Lennon back in 1978 when he came to Philadelphia because he was fighting deportation by the U.S. government, and he wanted to stay in America. Uh, I got to hang out with John Lennon for an entire weekend up the old building on City Line Avenue for the it was a, it was a marathon, and John Lennon stayed awake for the entire 56 hours, and uh, I was fortunate to be there, and he even signed a notepad for me. I didn't. You know, people were taking cameras, but it's not like now. I, I, sadly, I don't have a picture, but I have a personalized autograph that he signed for me after that weekend. So that's one of my uh, prized, my cherished possessions. I didn't even ask him for the uh, for the autograph because I was helping him, bringing him in weather forecasts and the such. He was nice enough to sign a piece of paper, and I have it framed. And people have offered me $3,000 for the John Lennon autograph, which I'm not an autograph collector or seller. But, I mean, that's how... That's how few autographs John Lennon was selling back then as one of the Beatles. And, of course, just a couple of years later, he was murdered on the streets of New York, you know, during a Monday night football game. So amazing times. I've seen so many things, but not like my mom, who died a year ago this week. Hmm. She was born in 1915. So what she's seen and her 97 years of life, you know, I can't compare that. That's the greatest generation. But being around from 1970, from actually from the 60s when I was a kid, growing up through the Vietnam War era, the depths of the assassinations of President Kennedy and his brother and Martin Luther King and wars in Vietnam and all the stuff we've all lived through, luckily and gratefully. Uh, you know, that's something that you can't take away from me. I know as we get older, people say boomer and stuff, but I'm you know, I'm proud that I've survived this long, thankfully, <laughs> to make it open hopefully 70 years old in a couple of months. But I'm also proud that I've also seen all the changes that have happened, you know, in the last almost 70 years in this country. Yeah. I'm sorry for the loss of your mom, uh, and uh, happy birthday in advance as well. And thanks for taking time today, Tony. It's really great to to get these uh, stories and hear from you. It's it's wonderful to to uh, chat, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Absolutely, anytime, Tim. Thanks so much for, for uh, reliving the glory day with WFIL Radio. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll catch you again soon. Okay, thanks. Uh, one and only Tony Bruno on the Tim DeMoss Show. Quick break. More to come. Howard Eskin joining us next, former WFIL alum, and Mark Daniels, who hosted this program for almost a quarter century, going to cap off our program. It's a full show. We love it. We're celebrating today the 100th anniversary of the first WFIL broadcast. More coming up in just a moment. Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. On March 18th, 1922, 100 years ago today, Strawbridge and Clothier was issued a license with the randomly assigned call letters WFI for a new station operating on the 360-meter entertainment wavelength. The station later received an 
Additional authorization for market reports on 485 meters. The other three Philadelphia Department stations uh, were WOO, licensed in March 18th, John Wanamaker, WIP, now WTEL, licensed to Gimbal Brothers, and WDAR, licensed to the Lit Brothers. And there's a lot of history we're celebrating today, and certainly a voice that you will know, and someone who has worked at this station as well. The one and only Howard Eskin joining us today. How you doing, Howard? I've never had a bad day in my life. It's <laughs> just another day in paradise for me. <laughs> I knew the answer before you asked the question. Yeah, that's all right. You know, if the streak if the streak ends, everybody will know it. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Well, folks will know you from all sorts of places, including obviously your time on WIP, but from Fox twenty nine, from your time at NBC, KYW, all over the place. But uh, maybe a little-known fact, which I only learned in the press box at the Phillies probably 20-something years ago, is that you actually got a start. At, was your start actually at WFIL? Henry? I didn't start at WFIL, but it was very, very early in my career. It was one of the early radio stations. I actually started at a station in Bethesda, uh, in Bethesda, Maryland, Okay. Uh, briefly there, and then... Uh, I forget I was working in Fairfax, Virginia, but then when I came back home, and Philadelphia's my home, I became, we called them engineers and not producers back in the day, and I always loved WFIL Radio, which was, back at that time, one of the top, one of the top two or three top 40 stations in the United States. Yeah. Uh, uh, WFIL and WABC in New York, and I worked there at one time too, uh, were the biggies. And I came back and, you know, I wanted to get into sports all my life, but WFIL was kind of a job, not kind of, it was a job in radio. And I was spinning 45s. And I don't know how many people remember 45s, (laughs) uh, the records, you know, I, put it on the turntable. We'd have 33s once in a while, but mostly 45s. And uh, I was the, what was called the engineer for Jim O'Brien and George Michael. George Michael first, and then Jim O'Brien. And that was great because they were the two top guys on that radio station uh, at that time. And for many, many years, George was a giant, not just in Philadelphia, but in America. Those were two very, very, very influential people in my life and in my career. And you wound up working with him later again, didn't you, George Michael, with the sports machine, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I did a segment on his national TV uh, broadcast when he went to do sports uh, in Washington, D.C. at the NBC station. He asked me to come down there and work full time, and I said, i got too many good things in Philadelphia, and uh, to be his uh, backup guy. And but he, then we just worked out the situation. I mean, well, maybe you could do a segment on the sports machine. It's called Rumorville, and I'd have all these rumors and different things that could be going on. And I did a segment every week. I taped it up here in Philadelphia and, and sent it down to him. Yeah, it's just a lot of people saw a lot of people saw me on that show. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, it was it was the Sunday night sports show before ESPNs and CNNs and all those other shows existed. This was it. George was it. But George was a sensational, when I say sensational, disc jockey, great personality. Jim O'Brien is the reason that I went into TV because I got an offer and I never worked TV. And Jim pushed me. Jim and I became really good friends. George and I were good friends. But Jim right and George right behind, very, very influential. And we're where I am today because of the help that they gave me and the, you know, the, the influence that I had from those people. And that was, yeah, WFIL radio. That's <laughs> interesting. Going how, back. How long were you at a WFIL? Do you think you remember? How probably three and a, uh, probably three and a half years. Wow. Uh, so probably three and a half years. And then, um, after that, I went to WABC in New York. Okay. Uh, and George went up to New York, George Michael. Yeah. And then I worked with George, and I worked with a guy named Dan Ingram, who was recognized as one of the top disc jockeys in America. He did Afternoon Drive. So back then, they didn't have 45s anymore. They graduated to what were called carts with tapes. Yes. So you just pop it in the machine. But, you know, I was, uh, you know, the thing about George, uh, which you had to be 
on top of it because George would wait to the last minute <laughs> to select a record. Yeah. And you'd have maybe, maybe 10 seconds sometimes to queue it up. That's crazy. But I was quick, and I, it was just you threw it on the table. And then the other thing, when you had oldies, they all had uh, numbers, and you had to look it up in the book. Once I saw the number, I never forgot it. Hmm. So George says, uh, uh, Elvis Presley, uh, 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 Superstition, or I think that's the name of the song. Yeah. And I'd say, 973. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd go right in there and get it and throw it on the table. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> or Suspicious Minds. It wasn't Suspicious, suspicious Minds. Uh, yeah. We both loved Elvis. Both loved Elvis. Uh, so... And George was a unique talent. And in television, uh, the production values that he had in television were amazing. You know, I don't know where all that came from, uh, but he was tremendous on WFIL. He and, I mean, they had a, I mean, you go right down. That's when disc jockeys were actually personalities. Yeah. Now they just read cards. Uh, you know, and I'm not demeaning them. That's just what the business has become. Uh, you play three in a row. You didn't do that. It was WFAL was well produced. Uh, it was always, except for commercials, always music. You would talk over the uh, the instrumental leads. You come out of it. You go into the next one. There was always music underneath you. It was a unique radio station, uh, which I don't know who the who programmed it, but there was a guy named Jay Cook. But I don't know if he's the one that started that. Uh, but it was. Um, it was an amazing radio station. And yeah, that's without WFIL, it's just crazy. I mean, yeah, okay, I'm spinning records. Uh, but the influence, and they loved working with me because I was really, you know, like I was into it. I was quick. I could do different things. And, and you had to kind of work uh, together like that. And it was just, uh, it, was, it was great because they influenced me so much into me taking the next step. I finally got into sports seven years after my career started uh, working on radio in Philadelphia as a sports reporter. Uh, but then I had an opportunity and I did talk radio on an FM station. And I went on with George one afternoon uh, during, uh, it was called the, the Mar they raised money for charity. It was marathon. Yeah. I came from the Phillies game. George said, hey, come on, tell me about the Phillies game. So Jim O'Brien heard me, and he says, man, I don't know why you're not doing sports. And then hmm. probably a year or two later, he says, I don't know why you're not in television. He said, George, I'm not ready for TV. I mean, uh, Jim, I'm not ready for TV. So George kind of put me in place. Uh, Jim kind of led the way. Uh, he was working at, at Channel 6 as well as WFL. Uh, we were in the same building as the Channel 6 building. Yeah. Uh, that was all in the same building on City Line Avenue. Uh, so they kept the shell of that building out, up when they built the new one. But that was history. I mean, that was, it was great. It was great. It was uh, a very, very, very important part of my career, That's obviously. Very interesting. Howard Eskin has been kind enough to hop on uh, to, to just chat with us today as we celebrate the 100th birthday of WFIL. And you just kind of answered the other question, main question I want to ask you, because you're really a pioneer in many ways. You, you stop and think about it. Uh, you've done so many different things, radio, TV, print, uh, before that, be now it's like almost expected. Oh, in some and movies. Way, right? I did a couple of movies. Okay. I was in a couple of movies. <laughs> well, right. but, but that shows why, I mean, you, you had some very strong, um, influential people also as part of that shaping experience for you, which is, which is really cool Absolutely. to hear about. So, yeah, I mean, I think every, the Jim, Jim would always say, uh, help people that will help themselves. And he was mad at people that were lazy, that didn't take it seriously enough. And he said, he didn't say it, but that was somehow that message was relayed to me. He always helped people that would help themselves. And obviously I helped myself and we became great, great friends. And I, uh, I must've cried for a week when he passed away. He died in a parachuting accident. Right. The biggest television personality in Philadelphia history and without Jim O'Brien at Channel 6, there's no Larry Kane. There's no Jim Gardner. They can say what they want. And, oh, yeah, they're great anchors. When Larry Kane went somewhere else, he failed. He failed. Hmm. I mean, and that's just, 
it, it was Jim O'Brien's influence. It was he did it differently. He did the weather. I mean, he did the weather, but he had a personality, and that's what I think television misses now a lot. It's missing in a lot of areas, but it's certainly missing in television. And I, I think people watch that. They relate to that. But it was without Jim O'Brien, Channel Six was not Channel Six. It would have never been that way. And those anchors that were just rotated, like all the stations do with anchors, they just rotate them, just in and out, and in and out. It doesn't make any difference. But back then, if you connected to Jim O'Brien, people never left. They were loyal. Uh, and Jim was such a – he would – every once in a while he would call me because we were on at different times when I did television. And he would give me tips. He would help me. Hmm. Uh, he was working at Channel 6. I was working at Channel 3. Uh, but – yeah, it's just, but it all pretty much started. Started, it started the, the ball started rolling. I guess it was WFIL Radio. That's great, Howard. It's great talking with you. Thank you for taking time to share with us, uh, folks. And of course, still hear you on WIP a number of times during the week and uh, doing the Eagle sideline thing. And HowardEskin dot com is a great way to you know to kind of get a guest connected and find out more about that. And be great to have you on again sometimes because you're a great storyteller. You have a lot of history, and uh, I, I have no plenty problem. more. You know, it's you know it's interesting, yeah. and, and you don't think about it until you talk about it. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't make WFIL. WFIL made themselves. Uh, and Jim O'Brien and George Michael were integral parts. But then, you know, it kind of, it's like WIP, where, you know, I work now. I, I did the first sports talk show there right. on AM, then on FM. And I didn't, I don't realize, because I never think of myself as old. I've just gotten older. I'm never going to be old. I'm just older. Right. Father time, the door's locked. Father time doesn't come in. You're locked out, brother. Uh, so yeah. it's just you don't realize until you start talking about the history of Philadelphia. And it's my home. And, uh, I, you know, I just don't realize uh, the connection that I have. But I don't think of it that way. I just do what I do because I'm having fun. So. That's, that's the way I look at it. That's clear. That's absolutely clear. And and I've appreciated uh, the years that you've been there. So many different events. I know that every event I went to, you're pretty much at all the events. I covered the team, uh, Phillies, Flyers, Eagles for about 20 years part time as I could. Got uh, just not my main thing, but it's something I want to add to the show. And you're always there. And uh, I remember having a conversation with you. I remember this. Maybe we can close on this. Kind of an interesting thing. You know, FIL right now. The format's actually a Christian station. We had a conversation about this briefly because I would see you kind of waiting as the reporters had their microphones and the athletes' faces and kind of getting their, their clips for their thing. And you're like, okay, go ahead, do that. Then when the, when the dust settled, you kind of walk up to the player and have a conversation, which led to on the air, it sounded like you were talking about real stuff because they were having a conversation with you. That was your, you know, your, your relationship was what was showing on the air. So I remember at one point saying, you know, when it comes to Christianity, that's kind of like that. Some people look at Christianity like it's a thing, like it's a bunch of rules. And they said, well, it's like a relationship, really. It's not about the rules. It's about, you know, God's not interested in all these. Uh, and we have some mutual friends like Rob Motti, who's on the show with us earlier this week, who, we, who talks about this stuff, too. So anyway, I just remember having that. I don't know if you remember that conversation, but the, if you view Christianity as a relationship with God, not about like following this, 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 and this, that it, it takes on like a parallel to how you handled your the quality of your relationships with the athletes you cover. Well, I, I, I mean, you try to get to know players as people, and that's not, especially nowadays, social media, and it's just it's like cookie-cutter answers. And I just try to get to know people as people. Yeah. They're people. Uh, you know, it was better back then because guys now are just – but I still get to know guys. I, I still – gotten to know a lot of guys you know the, uh, the pandemic kind of slowed that down yeah but you don't really get good it's not just the information it's the personality of a player if you're uh recording an interview or you're talking to him and i don't call interviews on the air interviews i call them a conversation because you're just talking to a guy that for the most part you know and it just comes across better but you get to know them as people and then you're talking to them as people, even though they're athletes or managers or whatever. Yeah. And that's the way I always looked at it. And you could tell. You could definitely tell. And they probably feel safer with you also because they can, they, they can trust you because they know you in that way. Yep. I, I think that helps as well. Yes. Yeah. Howard, thank you again for taking time today. Have a great rest of your day. And we'd love to have you on again sometime down the road. 
Yeah, no problem. And you have a great day, and I'll try to keep my streak going. <laughs> Sounds great. Take care now. Bye-bye. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Howard Eskin celebrating the 100th anniversary of the very first WFL broadcast with us today, March 18, 1922. Station was top 40, adult contemporary, country. There's been TV involved in the early 90s. Went to Christian Teaching and Talk, which it currently is. Mark Daniels helped with that transition and hosted Mark Daniels Live on WFL for almost 25 years. He joins us next. Also, don't forget, $5.60 to celebrate. Gift cards at Chick-fil-A, Dunkin', Panera, Rita's, or Wawa. Your choice, courtesy of our show sponsor, Briner Chevrolet. Just text me before 5, and I'll get you one. 610-500-DOVE. 610-500-3683. It's Tim DeMoss Show, WFIL. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Indeed, it's the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. A hundred-year birthday party going on, and we would be certainly remiss not to bring in someone who has been part of it for quite a long time, up until just a few years ago, Mark Daniels joining us. Mark, how are you? Hey, I'm well. How about you? Wonderful. You hosted a program and you did mornings here and a lot of other things, too. And so I just mm-hmm. figured that on our celebration of the, the birthday of FIL that you would be more than appropriate to have on the program. Give a little yeah. give a little backstory, a little background, how you first came to work at FIL. It was 93 or 94 around that time? It was 94, but my story and association goes back even further than that. Okay. Back in 1972, the woman that would be my wife, yeah. And her cousin, Joanne, used to walk up and down the lane, which is outside what is now my house, yeah. <laughs> listening on their little transistor radios to WFIL, just waiting for their favorite song, excited about how it's a big city station and everything. Little did she know how influential that station would one day be in uh, her life. Hmm. Uh, my, my direct association was in 1994 when our friend Russ uh, who I'd worked with previously, called me and said, hey, how about coming down to Philadelphia with me and putting a Christian radio station on the air? At that time, of course, WFIL was basically repeating the FM signal of B101. Yes, that's right. So <laughs> didn't have independent programming. So we kind of started from scratch, literally, and uh, began to build the station. It was an exciting uh, experience for me. It only seems fitting and so many people who listened to my program on WFIL and went through my whole adoption story with my daughter. Yes, right. Well, this would be the best platform for me to announce that uh, two days ago, that daughter told me she's making me a grandfather. No so, way. Wow. wow. Think about the water under the bridge. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a, that's amazing. That is really amazing. Yeah. And congratulations. That must be super Thank exciting you. for you. Oh, I, I can't even put it in words. <laughs> Do you remember those early days on FIL? And uh, I guess there's a lot of challenges uh, starting something from scratch, but also excitement that there's a maybe a big sandbox to deal with and work in and, and figure out? Yeah. Well, I had always wanted to work full-time in Philadelphia. Never would have dreamed it would be at the mighty WFIL. Uh, I had worked at a couple of other stations in town. Uh, one was called KISS 100 back yeah. in the D.C. days. I remember that. <laughs> and, uh, I remember that. And a couple of other ones. But, but having the opportunity to come down there was, was awesome. When we started out, we were in the transmitter building, literally, over on uh, Franklin Way. Yes. And uh, it was bare bones. There were no windows in that building. And uh, it got to be over 100 degrees in the summertime because uh, yeah. we had one window air conditioner. <laughs> It was it was uh, rough sledding for a while, yeah. but uh, when we had the opportunity to come together with then WZZD and move over to the um, facilities there on Ridge Pike, made all the difference in the world. And uh, they did a whole new build out for us and new equipment. So uh, it was worth it to, in the early days to uh, slug through it because uh, God had a lot in store for us. Folks, just tuning in, we're chatting with Mark Daniels, longtime uh, program director and uh, morning host and afternoon program for you. What was the, if you remember the breakdown? Uh, I know you, and as a program director, you, you did whatever you needed to do also to keep things going. Uh, the afternoon program, was that pretty much straight through near the beginning of your time at, with uh, WFIL and continued till the, near the end? Or, yeah. Yeah. It was late 95, and, uh, 
a gentleman named Daryl and Carlo had come on board with us to host an afternoon talk program. Yeah. And uh, he got called away to another opportunity, I think, uh, out in uh, Dallas. Okay. And it did very well there. But we were kind of like stuck then. We, well, we don't have a, a talk show. So I sat in and uh, did it one or two times and uh, felt very comfortable with it and started to slowly develop a daily program. It started as a half an hour once a week, and then it was every day for a half an hour, and then it was every day for an hour. Over the years, I had to step away from it a number of times because the responsibilities of you know, uh, programming two major market radio stations, as you've learned, yes. <laughs> is yeah. extremely challenging in trying to be a talk host at the same time. So I kept stepping away and coming back, and uh, eventually in uh, 2018, I stepped away from it permanently. And certainly a day doesn't go by that I wish I didn't have that microphone again. Yeah, you know, and speaking of which, uh, I just took a look outside the studio that you did so much broadcasting from, officially the Mark Daniels Talk Studio, dedicated April 27, 2018, 24 years of service. So that's still right there. No one took it down. No one pocketed it and tried to put it on eBay. It's right there. Well, a number of people, you know, uh, who have heard that on the air said to me, Oh, wow, you're still alive? I, I thought the, <laughs> it was a memorial studio. You've interviewed, hun- I'd say, hundreds of guests, right, over the years uh, oh, at WFIL. Yeah. Any, you mm-hmm. know, I'm sure there are a lot of memorable ones. Any ones stand out for whatever reason, even something you appreciated about, you know, what they said or just how they conducted themselves? Wow. Um, that's that's difficult. Which yeah. is your favorite child? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, well, certainly, uh, the numerous times I could talk with Charles Stanley hmm. was very exciting to me. He was instrumental in my coming to faith. He really? didn't know it, but he was. <laughs> and ah. uh, it was a pleasure to be able to share that with him. We spoke with so many people. I say we because a, a talk show is a collective process, not just one person. Um, yeah. Well, I should have been ready for that question. I Well, you can let it simmer and 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 share about the testimony for a second and because that's important to know obviously you you did such you know an integral job here at WFIL for almost a quarter century that mm. you know that that coming to know the lord is a big deal without it you're yeah. not doing that the job the, at least not the same way that you did it for sure well brief briefly the testimony is this and it starts like many other people's testimony i was raised in a christian home <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know after that i, I certainly walked away from what i profess to believe in. Now, I, I had no idea what salvation in Christ really was. It was just something that fit like a mantle, you know? You, you get to be 12, you take the class, you get dunked three times forward, and hey, you're a Christian. Hmm. Well, it, it didn't work that way. So I got into my uh, secular broadcast career, and for 14 years, did really well in rock and roll, country, and all these other uh, formats. But uh, it was in uh, 1991, that the woman who had become my wife, I've mentioned her twice now, I'm very proud. That's a good season. day. We met, and she was asking me, quite frankly, well, where, where are you in your faith? I'm like, well, you know, I, I think I'm a good person, and someday I'll get to go to the pearly gates and all that nonsense. Hmm. So she gave me a Charles Stanley tape and a book. She said, you read these this weekend, then you call me back. So I did. <laughs> wow. And at 2 o'clock in the morning sitting at my uh, dining room table in a little apartment in Lancaster, PA, I came to faith in Christ. I mean, real faith. And uh, when I called her back, she could tell right away. And that's when our court began. Wow. That's so, a great story. I love that. But, yeah. So in uh, 94, someone who I'd worked with before, Russ Wickner, yeah. we had worked at a station up in Harrisburg. He called me and said, so, interested in coming down and putting the station on the air? And I said, well, Sure. And I had faxed my testimony to him and to another old friend of ours, Ken Gaines. And uh, that's how they become uh, they became aware of my interests. So uh, uh, after doing that, uh, they, you know, very cautiously, not really knowing if this is for real or not, called me back. And uh, uh, the rest is uh, history. Wow. If you're just tuning in, the voice, I'm sure, is very familiar. Mark Daniels, who uh, did a program on this station, WFIL, for uh, almost 25 years, and uh, we celebrate yeah. WFIL's. Uh, you know, there, there may be whatever you know, d- depending on the manuscript you're looking at. Uh, but I, it came across that that March 18th, uh, 1922, was when the first transmission with WFI happened. When, when the department right. stores were were doing the thing, and then there's a, a long history about you know the call letters and who bought who and all that. But there's been a long stability since you know Russ Whitney and you uh, were you know coming on board and, and helped launch this thing 
93, 94, 95, it's still doing the Christian teaching and talk format and stronger yeah. than ever. Yeah. And um, no, but go ahead. You know a lot to uh, the Salem Media Group. Then it was Salem Communications Corporation, but uh, Salem Media is just, I, I can't give you adequate words for how impressed I've been with that company ever since I first came on board. It grew very quickly, but it grew very deep as well. They are truly committed to Christian ministry. I, I work now for a full-time uh, Christian radio ministry, and uh, I know that Salem has my back, and I know that OnePlace.com and, and the Salem stations who carry us are absolutely the reason that we're here and thriving. So, Well, talk about that, too. I was going to ask you just the, the latest with the work that you are doing. You, you joined on, on the program uh, once or twice prior to, to today, but uh, as a while yeah. back. So what's the latest with the work you're doing? Feel free to share that. Well, uh, quick history. I, I started uh, being the announcer for the Bible Study Hour and Every Last Word, uh, and, of course, the podcast called the Mortification of Spin. <laughs> right. uh, back in uh, boy, a long time ago, I guess it was 2000. One or two, right after Dr. Boyce had passed away, as I took over for Charles Morris, who now has the Haven Today ministry. Mm. And I've been doing it, you know, out of my basement ever since, literally, just doing my part and was e- emailing it back to the, uh, the Alliance. They put it all together. In 2018, the opportunity came along to come and do this full time. And I felt a need for a change in my life. I've been doing the, the you know, radio for 40 years at that point and just, you know, so it would be a great opportunity to continue in what I'm called to do, and yet maybe ratchet down the pace a little bit. Uh, yeah. I've been doing you know, 12, 14-hour days, literally, yeah. uh, for you know, two decades or more. And it was just time to slow down and, and to focus. And uh, it was a good thing, too, because I've had some health challenges since uh, I left in 2018, and I've been able to get after them and get my blood sugar where it needs to be and uh, start to feel good again. That's excellent. That's great. What's a big memory for you? Any, well, not big, but any memory fondness of your time at WFIL, uh, whether it's, you know, halfway through or near the end or the beginning, just uh, thoughts of, uh, and again, 24 years is going to be a long time to pick from, but. Yeah. Uh, just, just a lot of, uh, a lot of memories skating past uh, the pastor's breakfast were really important to me. Uh, the opportunity to pray at the Liberty Bell, every year with Mary Campbell and uh, mm. the National Day of Prayer. Gosh, uh, traveling to Israel four times, and uh, all that that meant to my faith and putting everything in perspective, working with the people that I worked with. Just the opportunity to, to raise uh, money for the, the the donor campaigns that we had for City Team and for Bible League and all these different ministries that really make good, effective use of the dollars. It was just a privilege, and uh uh, I'll never forget it. Yeah, and by the way, I, I alluded to it earlier. You also had the opportunity to wear the morning guy hat for I, I don't know yeah. the, the, the schedule for that. Again, you would do whatever you needed to do because uh, I think you also had done sometimes in the afternoons in addition to the show. So, what was your morning experience, uh, you know, or, or that that hat you had to wear at times? Well, uh, most people um, don't have to get up at, at a quarter. Work, but that's what I was doing ever since I moved to Lancaster. I was commuting every day. And it was quarter so to what? The quarter, to, quarter to three. <laughs> I get out the door by four, and I get down there by five thirty, uh-huh. and uh, and put, start putting the morning together. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, also just uh, because uh, for folks just again tuning in, Mark Daniels uh, kind enough to spend a little time with us today uh, on the Tim DeMoss Show, and Mark did this the very t- same time slot for. Was it always four to five for you, or were you earlier in the day, three to four, two to three? I forget. That also was a, a thing, mm-hmm. too, right? A couple of times. Yeah. The half-hour show was from 2 to 2.30. Okay. The, uh, the one incarnation of the, th- the show was at three because uh, Janet Parshall was on at four. That's right. And then uh, we kind of switched positions, and uh, uh, it was four o'clock from that point forward. Yeah. had the chance to do a couple of things in that slot, uh, something called Prime Life Radio for people who are 50 or better. Hmm. I did it when I was in my 40s, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> That's funny. And, uh, and a comedy show, a Christian comedy show that uh, I did with um, a number of people down there. A lot and helped out a lot. It was it was a blast. Yeah, and you had your Mark's Mixed time, too, right? Didn't you have a music uh, on Wednesdays, was it, I think, if I remember correctly? Yes, obviously I can't stick to anything. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's variety. It's variety is a spice of life. Variety, that's it, yeah. Well, if folks want to keep up with, uh, you know, what you're up to, that you mentioned the mortification of uh, spin, are you still working on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we have two podcasts. We're going to add a third one, and uh, there's four ministries. So uh, I'm kept pretty busy. 
Okay. Uh, everything is online at AllianceNet.org. Mark Daniels, a real privilege. Thank you. Program director at WFIL, hosted mornings. Mark Daniels show for 24 years. The talk studio, officially the Mark Daniels talk studio, from the early 90s through the late 2010s. And uh, again today, kind enough to spend time with us in a little birthday celebration. Thank you for doing that, my friend. Well, thank you. Thank you, and uh, glory to God, and may God bless you and everybody who's listening in. I miss talking to you. Hope to see you soon. All right. Mark Daniels, uh, WFIL Program Director, show host, 1994 to 2018, the uh, one and only Tony Bruno and Howard Eskin, both of whom worked for WFIL for a number of years earlier in their broadcast careers, joined the show, too. We're shoehorning in the shortest ever. Now that's funny segment. I went to see my doctor last week, and he said, unfortunately, I'm going deaf. That was hard to hear. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, save the children. 855-863-5492. Would you help out? We're a little behind in getting uh, what we want to get accomplished, but we can get there. 855-863-5492 or at WFIL.com. Have a wonderful weekend. Or in the town of WFIL Jingle Singers... Have a million-dollar weekend. WFIL. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.